What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome in, everyone, to the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist, with the Tuscaloosa News, I'm joined as I am each week by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. The Talking Tide podcast available to you wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. You can also catch us live on YouTube or Facebook. So uh, check us out anywhere you want. The Twitter feed, of course, is Talking to underscore Tide. You can get quick links to all our podcast drops right away there. And Travis, we uh, uh, quickly want to thank our sponsors, North Brook, excuse me, North River Dental Associates, Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, and DraftKings. Almost did a mishmash there and said Northbrook. Uh, but uh, that uh, quick self-correction there, quick five-yard penalty. Hey, it's Monday. Uh, it's Monday. Snap. You get one of those, you know. Pre-snap, five-yarder, and off we go. Yes, Travis. Depth chart Monday. Uh, happened today over at the Naylor Stone Media Room on the campus of the University of Alabama, Nick Saban, unveiling the depth chart, Travis, as he does each year, Monday of the week of game one. Of course, the Crimson Tide has taken on Utah State at Bryant-Denny Stadium, 6.30 p.m. in its opener. And this podcast, just as a quick programming note, is also going to serve as our Alabama-USU preview. And then we will follow up, of course, with our usual twice weekly podcasts uh, beginning Texas week. Uh, so with that formality out of the way, Travis, uh, I'll ask you your thoughts on this depth chart, this unveiling from Nick Saban. Um, and what uh, jumped out to you, if anything, about this rendition? Yeah, you know, we've both been doing this for so long. There's some things that you'll immediately look to, but it depends on the year too. You got position battles that change seemingly on an annual basis. So wanted to make sure the offensive line wanted to look at maybe weak side linebacker, those cornerback positions, wide receiver spots. True freshmen are always of particular interest. Where are the new guys going to impact things perhaps? And then I also was a little bit surprised by the lack of slashes or oars or Whatever it is, all you know, time it seems low. to change. Yeah, Probably, you know, I'm gonna guess it's an all time low. Of, of yeah, what was there nine? I think. Uh, well, if you count the backup slashes, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, among the ones, yeah, uh, you had a set clear starter everywhere on offense. Uh, you had uh, on defense, of course, you've got a split at nose guard, you've got a split at both cornerback positions and a split at kickoff returner, and that's it. Yeah, you know, I think last year there were 25, Chase. Oof. 25. Now, that was between starters and depth, so that yeah. was all-inclusive. But 
I would have figured 20-ish, low 20s again this year. So to see nine for the entire depth chart, uh, that was very interesting. I'm with you. I can't recall another year in the Nick Saban era where there's been as few of those type of situations. I think it's something that maybe we should have seen it coming based on Saban's comments over the last 10 days or so. More than once he said, look, I don't see a lot of depth. We got a, we got a lot of separation between ones mm-hmm. and twos. He said that coming out of the second scrimmage. So at least among the ones, maybe it should not have been a surprise that there weren't a whole lot of uh, co-starter situations at various positions, a harbinger of things to come, I guess, Nick Saban uh, offered up after that second scrimmage uh, with regards to that. But as you noted, even among the twos and threes, yeah, not, not a lot of that. I mean, look, if you look at the offensive line, there's not a slash anywhere. It's ten, uh, even 10 guys. Yeah. Ones and twos. And that's where I was thinking because of what he said about depth and not having enough of it that, we might see a lot of guys on the depth chart with a lot of slashes or a lot of oars because they're still trying to figure all that out. So that's where that was a surprise to me with that was that once you got into the twos and threes, you know, I thought running back, maybe there would be a a slash or an oar there between Roydell Williams and Trey Sanders with the way we had heard things had gone at weak side linebacker, even with Jalen Moody and Deontay Lawson, you figured maybe that might be the case there. And certainly at wide receiver for a rotation that's you know still trying to figure some things out throughout the re- throughout that rotation. You certainly get the sense, or at least I certainly have the sense, Travis, too, that even with the splits at the cornerback position, it kind of feels like that's got more to do with the health situation at that spot over the last couple of weeks than it necessarily does about the competition, right? Because they've had some guys in and out of the lineup, uh, particularly Eli Ricks uh, has been down injury-wise, up and down. Uh, and, of course, Kyrie Jackson's had a couple injury issues as well. Uh, so some co-starters sitting there at those cornerback spots. Maybe when guys get back healthy – uh, you see that settle down too. Yeah, I think Kool-Aid McKinstry, if I was going to pick one guy of those four or five, he would be the guy I would feel most certain about as a starter on Saturday night against Utah State. Uh, but even with the inavailability of Ricks and Kyrie Jackson to an extent, uh, they still, uh, based on the depth chart anyway, based on paper, look like they're still in the mix for that. Now, I would think that Terry and Arnold, especially after we heard Nick Saban praise him for his consistency throughout the preseason, might be rewarded with a start against Utah State. But I'm with you. I think this thing through Texas, maybe even beyond, you know, you're still working to sort out who your top two guys are, at least the starter perhaps opposite Kool-Aid McKinstry, and we think about Terry and Arnold, nothing in the way of game experience, but what do we really know? What have we really learned about that position in general, Chase, since the national championship game? We saw Kool-Aid and Kyrie both have their struggles at times in that game, including down the stretch. Um, That competition went into the spring, uh, continued over into fall camp. You've had a couple of those guys in and out, as you said, and I think they need more time probably to to still sort through that. 
might need more time. And, and I was wondering if Brian Branch might even pop in there with the corners as a two or a three or something, you know, because, of course, a couple of these guys can move around. There's some versatility back there. Brian Branch, a guy that they can move around. Malachi Moore, a guy that they can move around as well. He's listed uh, as a co-backup at the strong safety position, also a backup at the star spot. They don't have the dime listed here, Travis. I imagine he's a serious player for that role as well. Yeah, yeah, I would think Malachi Moore is in that dime package. We've seen Brian Branch play the money. We've seen DeMarco Hellams play the money. But one way or the other, between safety, star, and money, in the six defensive backs, I'd be shocked if Malachi Moore wasn't on the field in that look. Tight end position of note as well, Cameron Latou, not listed at all. Of course, he's been out throughout the preseason with a knee injury. Travis, uh, Nick Saban mentioned today uh, that he's just now getting back to practice. He was on the treadmill last week. I believe today uh, was his first practice back. Uh, but he had some positive and encouraging things to say about the young tight ends, Oots Kitzelman, Danny Lewis Jr., Amari Niblack. Uh, he said those guys are going to play. They took advantage of those preseason reps, uh, acquitted themselves well enough that it sounds like they're going to have some kind of role. It doesn't mean they're all going to be catching balls, of course, but you know, you maybe you see one uh, in, a, in a two or three tight end look down on the goal line where Nick Saban likes to add an extra tight end or two here and there. Uh, and, and, and that position moves around, right? So, so they get H backs, et cetera. So who knows how it'll play out, but it sounds like a number of young tight ends and maybe it's on special teams, but they hit the field one way or another. Yeah. I'm guessing Latou would be doubtful for Saturday at this point. If he's just getting back on the practice field and that's understanding, I'm sure they've been excessively cautious with him because, they don't need him to rush back during preseason practices. Maybe he's at a point where he jumps right in here. Um, but also with Kendall Randolph as your starter at left guard, um, these guys are going to have to play. As you said, it's not just from a positional perspective between the two tight end sets and the different things that you outlined that they like to do with those guys. It is very much a feeder position into special teams. So punt team. Uh, kickoff return. That's typically where you see tight end types on specials. And so you can include Elijah Brown in that mix too is another one of those young tight ends. Wouldn't surprise me if we see them all against Utah State. Tim Smith with the ones at defensive end beats out Jamil Burroughs. That was a bit of a surprise to me. I thought Burroughs had an excellent spring, really showed out on A-Day. Uh, Smith's a guy who I was high on as a freshman, I thought he kind of flashed uh, early that year and uh, looked like a lot of good things to come. Didn't play a whole lot last season, uh, but for what it's worth, it looks like he's made a move. It does, and we got to remember, right, this is a depth chart. It doesn't really lay out the situational packages and the ways that they like to use guys. Now, just from a base perspective, if you're going to tell me Tim Smith at one end, um, Byron Young at another end, and D.J. Dale – in the base is your three-man front. I could definitely see that once they start getting into nickel and maybe some dime. I think Tim Smith can still transition into those packages as a pass rushing type. But I would think Jamil Burroughs, that's when he starts to come into play when right. they need some pass rush. Now, what you don't know is how much is Jaheim Otis eaten perhaps into, no pun intended, all of these guys reps potentially because – Again, what we heard from Nick Saban on Monday is 
this guy isn't just a, a block occupier. He's not a double team occupier. He's a block beater and a double team beater. So if that's truly the case, I got to think big number 91 is going to be out there pretty early on Saturday night. And, you know, we've talked about this before. Reps are already going to be precious, it looks like, in this defensive front because the outside linebackers are going to be so heavily involved. Be very heavily involved, especially on third down, third and long, when we're going to likely see Chris Braswell on the field with Turner and Anderson. And, yeah, Otis Otis obviously had a phenomenal preseason. His weight loss in the offseason was well-documented. Uh, the guy's a, a pretty phenomenal athlete. Nick Saban told a couple of red elephants he can, he can flip, uh, backflip as a matter of fact. So, Hey, uh, that's going to be fun to watch. Did it off Saban's boat. Did it off the (laughs) Saban boat on Lake Tuscaloosa, I think. There you go. So, and and look, if you look up and down this depth chart, you know, I I can't, I'm not going to count the freshmen at the moment, but I can scan it from top to bottom. Not a lot of freshmen on here, Travis. Otis is one of them. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a, a side of the football where you would think they would need a lot of freshman impact. So for a guy, especially in an area where they returned a lot of game experience, now they didn't return much in the way of negative play production. So that's where there was an opening, and it sounds like Jaheim Otis has taken advantage of that. What I liked hearing about him from Saban, though, maybe as much as anything, Monday was that, he can be counted on to take care of responsibilities that don't involve beating a block. In other words, he doesn't sound like a guy. He sounds mature enough, even at this early stage in his development, that if the scheme calls for him to take on a double team so an inside linebacker can make a tackle, he'll do that. We see with so many of these young defensive linemen, it's one or the other. They're either playmaker types immediately But as a result of that, they take some chances, maybe don't always play their gap, get out of their gap, and they expose the rest of the defense to a big play. And I liked hearing that from Nick Saban about Jaheim Otis as much as anything else on Monday. All those guys need a little Josh Chapman in them. All right. (laughs) And and no no one was less selfish. No one was more unselfish, I thought, than Josh Chapman. He he, He would bear hug that center and guard. And, and uh, you know, knock their helmets together like coconuts. Yeah. That was his whole job. Sometimes. Yeah, Chap's, right. Chap's <laughs> problem, the conundrum Chap was in was that he had better play good on first down in the base because that right. was his job. <laughs> right. But if he did play good on first down, he was immediately coming off the field in second and eight, you know, yeah. or third and eight. He wasn't going to be out there when it came time to to get the the, uh, the offense off the field. Yeah, second to third down, that's, that's where he got in shape with that jogging, you know. <laughs> And yeah, he didn't like seeing that. those tempo offenses, big chap. You know, <laughs> no. <that> hurry up. <laughs> not as not at all. The Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Glad to have you with us here on the Sunday night. We're going to preview the Alabama Utah State game here in a couple minutes. First, though, going to tell you about our sponsors. First, going to tell you about North River Dental Associates and that great service you get over at North River with Dr. Jack Smalley and his great staff of dental hygienists. They do it all, the porcelain veneers, the pediatric dentistry for the kids, teeth whitening services, extremely popular over at North River Dental. They also are doing Botox and Juvederm treatments, tighten up those facial features for those big fall events you wanna go to. A routine teeth cleaning over at Dr. Jack's is gonna get you in and out door to door in less than an hour typically. And of course they do 
a super high quality job. They've been taking care of my teeth and my family's teeth for an awful long time, about 15 years, as a matter of fact. So give them a call. The phone number is 752-3506. You can also make an appointment online at NorthRiverDentist.com. It's North River Dental Associates. I'm going to tell you about Peter Brook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Coming up on Thursday, 15 years in business there in greater Tuscaloosa for Peter Brook Chocolatier. I know Heather, Paula, the rest of the outstanding staff at Peter Brook. So thankful for Tuscaloosa folks and the surrounding area for making the last decade and a half very sweet good bread you see what i did there yes so uh peterbrook chocolatier i've got a check with the chocolate lady i don't know exactly if she has a big like celebration or something set up for uh this week but uh 15 years in business and if you haven't already by the way you want to keep up with all things peterbrook chocolatier Follow Peter Brook Chocolatier Tuscaloosa on Facebook. They update constantly. So if there's a special, if there's something going on that you need to know about with Peter Brook, you can find it right there on Facebook. Finally, going to tell you about our corporate sponsor, and that, of course, would be DraftKings. The wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin. Get ready for NFL Week 1 action with the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. DraftKings now giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game. Get $200 in free bets instantly. You want more action for opening night? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early wins promotion as well. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. That's the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym. That'll help us here at the Talking Tide Podcast. Get those $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's promo code TPPN only at the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the National Football League. Travis, Alabama, Utah State, of course, getting underway at BDS on Saturday. It'd be the debut of alcohol sales oh. at Ryan Stadium, Travis. What's the over-under? I'm going to pin you down here. <laughs> We don't do production meetings here on Talking Tide, so when I come at Travis with this, oh show, yeah, it, 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 it's live. It, it's uh, it's uh, no uh, no rehearsal. Mass communicate. What is the over under on the price for let's call it a twenty ounce cup of suds <sighs> at Bryant Denny Stadium? I was at an NFL preseason game about a week and a half ago, and just your typical. Well, it may have been a twenty ounce can beer, right? Thirteen fifty for that baby. Oof. Yeah. Oof. And they couldn't. They couldn't sell them fast enough. I mean, they were just Man. going Flying. straight out of the bucket. And even with now, you got to factor in the conditions. But I think the boys are still going to be plenty thirsty at about sundown Saturday night. So if this were an eleven a.m. or maybe a three p.m. Uh, maybe even more um, beer sales, but as far as a price, I'm gonna go twelve bucks for like a twenty ounce. What about right. you? I think I think movie concession prices, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's gonna it's it's that's what it's gonna look like. Uh, twelve might be on the low. Twelve might be right. If it's not right, 
it's more low. than 10. It's got to yeah. be more oh, than 10 sure. bucks. Easy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think 12 on the low end, maybe maybe 15 on the high end. Here And you know I'm thrifty with my nickels. Oh, uh, no, you, not you, you. You pick on me about that. Yeah, sometimes. yeah. It's yeah. not it's not the first one where anybody's going to start counting what it costs. It's the second one, third one. <laughs> well, they're you hoping start... you keep drinking them, you forget about it. Yeah, that's <laughs> yes, what the boy. That's what they're hoping you do. You know. <laughs> well, that's why they on Cashless. They on Cashless <laughs> at Brian Denny Stadium now too. Those two, they go hand in hand. The they? thing is, if if they have them cold enough, if they have them cold enough, people yeah. forget about those prices. You know, yeah. if they're cold enough. If if that first one isn't ice cold, then mm-hmm. it could be a problem. But if that first one's ice cold, there's going to probably be another one. <laughs> I got a uh, Tuscaloosa News mailbag coming at you a little bit later this week. This is what they call a tease uh-huh. uh, on uh, fan thoughts on the debut of alcohol at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Yeah. So, uh, some interesting. Inevitability. A, a wide array of, of opinions, Travis. People in the zone been getting hammered for a decade yes, now have. or more, you know? Yep. Yeah, this is the this is the great. Why can't unwind. the huddled masses enjoy if they would like? Embad. <laughs> All right, <laughs> on to the Aggies of Utah State, Travis. Uh, they knocked off UConn in Week Zero. The final score there, thirty-one to twenty. USU fell behind early, and then just stormed back in the second quarter. I believe they were up ten at the half after falling down by mm-hmm. four, fourteen early. Uh, they end up winning this one by double digits. Logan Bonner, the quarterback, three touchdown passes. A balanced offense, 542 yards of total offense. Fairly even split between run and pass uh, for Utah State. Travis, your thoughts on what you see saw of that game, if at all? Yeah, some surprise early. I did actually watch some of it and recorded it for preview purposes coming up this week. But UConn with Jim Moore Jr., Good bread getting off yeah. to that 14 to nothing start and really did it by just gashing Utah State on the ground. And so I think there was some things, there were some things that Bill O'Brien and that offensive staff can take away from that. I think if Alabama wanted to just go with heavier sets and run the football predominantly, um, you know, Utah State defensively cleaned some things up, but UConn ran for 150 yards in the first quarter, 150 mm. in the first quarter. And so, um, you know, that's problematic. Utah State, not especially heavy in its defensive front. Uh, Mm -hmm. So Alabama, as you would expect, going to have a size advantage. And then, you know, offensively, I thought Utah State was about what you expect. I was interested to see how Logan Bonner would look coming off the knee injury from the bowl game last December. Uh, He was still very efficient, very accurate. Um, UConn really couldn't pressure him like Alabama is going to be able to pressure him. But it is a Utah State offensive line chase. Brings back four starters up front, including both of its tackles. Things to watch for the Crimson Tide, Travis, as we close out this edition of Talking Tide. Sometimes, obviously, in a game like this, and look, we're talking about the defending Mountain West champs. It's not a USU in a total pushover. They got some athletes. They can score some points. I expect Alabama to win this game handily. Uh, nevertheless, sometimes against a Utah State uh, or a, a lesser non-conference opponent, it can be difficult to identify areas and positions that are exploitable, right, for, for the heavy favorite for Alabama. Uh, 
what are you going to be looking for on the Alabama side in this game that might be able to uh, feed you a little intel on what's to come uh, down the road this season? Yeah, I think you start with the offensive line for Alabama. Kendall Randolph at left guard, Tyler Steen at left tackle, um, uh, J.C. Latham at right tackle. I, I want to see those guys. And understanding, I don't think this is a Utah State pass rush, at least – it shouldn't be able to really control things up front. If Utah State is able to constantly harass Bryce Young it's a, it's a on problem. Saturday night, it's a problem. <laughs> and so Utah State didn't have a sack against UConn. Now, their defensive ends had three quarterback hurries apiece, so they were getting close. So I want to see those guys up front. I think Alabama, again, should be able to run the football effectively. We've heard from Nick Saban that he feels like that's going to be an improved aspect of this offense. Does Jameer Gibbs, right from the outset, hit a home run in this game with that uh, speed? And I just don't think Bill O'Brien's going to put it all out there either in in game one. So uh, from that perspective, not expecting a ton. And then defensively, man, with Logan Bonner at quarterback and even with Utah State having to replace a lot of its production at the wide receiver positions, I think from the giddy-up, those corners are going to get targeted from the Mm -hmm. get-go, and they can do it in the quick game. You know, you think so much about deep balls and things like that. I think um, Utah State's going to check under the hood of them corners from the outset. What about you? Better get the ball out quick, but yeah. And I think they will. I think Bonner knows that because – with his knee coming off the knee injury, that that's the problem. He he's not going to be a threat with his legs in the game. Right. That's 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 not a good place to be. That is going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. I want to thank our listeners and viewers for checking in once again. Travis and I will be back next Sunday night to recap the Alabama USU game and begin things in earnest on Talking Tide for the 2022 season. So for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com. I'm Chase Goodbread of Tuscaloosa News and Crimson Cover Television, and we'll talk to you next Sunday night on Talking Tide.